back to the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine. I am Bob from Cascadia. This is Matt from the Southland on the line, and I was really struggling to remember my name there for a second. And that's maybe because I'm so discombobulated, because uh, I think we're talking about uh, Star Wars, but it's actually Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're here to talk about the two-part premiere of Star Trek Prodigy, Lost and Found. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Star Wars cartoon. It was fantastic. So, as a Star Wars cartoon, you think it uh, held up? As a Star Wars cartoon, it's great, yeah. It has all the, all the tropes. All the action. I, I don't know. I I don't watch that many Star Wars cartoons, because I, I sort of hate the Star Wars franchise now. But, uh, yeah, in fairness, I've always hated it. I'm not one of these freaks who thinks, like, Ryan Johnson, uh, you know, stole their childhood. But, uh yeah, no, I, I don't even know if I would like this as if it were labeled Star Wars Prodigy instead of Star Trek Prodigy. It's got aliens and droids and uh, evil, scary robot people and colorful characters. Yeah, yeah. I guess we should start with the caveat that we're kind of aware how ridiculous it is for two men in their 30s to do a podcast complaining about a show aimed at people uh, age seven. So... To show that we're aware of the ridiculousness of this, we're not really going to structure this episode uh, like we'd usually do for our Babylon 5 versus DS9 episodes or our Lower Decks episodes, which honestly, you know, deserve some structure and some thought. We're just going to kind of free associate here and like, you know, like we're a seven-year-old, just making free associations and see what we see where we go. So uh, tell me about your experience here, Bob. When you first started watching the episode of Prodigy, what commercial did you get before the episode aired? I mean, I would just say generally that Paramount Plus is the worst uh, streaming system nearly. Uh, probably Peacock is actually worse, but Paramount Plus is really bad. And uh, I really hate that they make me watch an advertisement before uh, every uh, show. That's really annoying. And I especially hate it when it's an advertisement for the show that I'm watching, That, uh, which was the case <laughs> here. I really don't care for that. Uh, were there any scenes in the advertisement that did not show in the first episode? Or did it show like future season episodes? I was so resentful of what they were doing to me that I tried to not pay attention. Well, Bob, I got a Henry Danger ad, so. Oh, man. So what you're saying is that by watching Prodigy, you've wrecked your Paramount Plus algorithm? Exactly. Now I get all kinds of things recommended to me. I mean... In a weird way, like the concept of even wrecking your Paramount Plus algorithm is hilarious because like there's just nothing on Paramount Plus. So like what is the what is the algor wrecking the algorithm even mean in this yeah. context? I let my uh, I let my sister have my uh, signing credentials for Paramount Plus. But oh, I like such a good brother. But I, I told her flat out, I said, you were going to create your own account because I don't want you messing with my Star Trek. <laughs> she, <laughs> she looked at it and she was like, really? I was like, yeah, I don't want you like going in there. I don't want to see all your stuff you're watching. I just want mine's all Star Trek across the board. Of course, now it's not. Now it's probably got Henry Danger crap mixed in there somewhere and Blues Clues and Rugrats or whatever else the hell comes on Nickelodeon nowadays. Did uh, you notice that on the uh, like the opening title card for the show – that it had like Nickelodeon above the title of the show. Yeah, that's what they do with all their stuff. They gotta let people know. Get their Man, name that's, out there. That's really not classy. That is really Nickelodeon not classy. presents. 
and it's, it's especially not classy since it is a show aimed at children and they're trying so hard to establish like a brand identity for children. It's really disgusting, frankly. Yeah, yeah they do that with everything. It's Nickelodeon's blah, 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 or whatever. It's always been that way. Well, despite you uh, giving me crap, Matt, for uh, watching uh, Star Trek cartoons, uh, I mean, I haven't seen a Nickelodeon cartoon since I don't know when. I was probably seven. Yeah, I mean, they 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 are what they are. I mean, this is like, uh, but if you look at this animation, though, it resembles, like, I guess, the Clone Wars type stuff you see on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has that have same you, look So to what it. of the Star Wars animation have you watched? I, I mean, I've only watched pieces of all kinds of stuff. Like, I haven't watched anything okay. all the way through. I can't handle that. Okay. It's all, anything prequel, I'm just like, eh. But I've seen enough image. I've seen enough images of it that I'm like, okay, I get that's here, that's here. This is... I've watched maybe the first two seasons of the of the Clone Wars show, but I, after the Mandalorian season two finale, I decided that I hated all Star Wars, and so uh, I I've never watched any more of it. Yeah, I mean, you literally th this show, the animation, the characters, and the plot, it, it really looked like it was some kind of failed Star Wars thing that they like retooled to fit Star Trek, because I mean, it's literally General Grievous. And Ashka are like right there, like those are two of the characters in this show. <laughs> yeah. So the the dreadnought character is clearly General Grievous. Are are you thinking that what what what's her name? Is it Gwen? Is she, Gwen? Is she the one? Who, yeah. Okay, she, she's the one who reminds you of Ashoka. Yeah. 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 Exact same look. And yeah, kind of interestingly, like a lot of the other characters are established star trek alien species not all of them but a lot of them are just rendered in a more star wars way but i i'm pretty sure ashoka or gwen and her father the progenitor are a new star trek alien species and yeah like you say they seem to be designed to look like ashoka from the clone wars although i'm not sure i can't remember what species ashoka is in star wars yeah, and like spoilers, the last shot of the episode, I got confused because I thought it was supposed to be some some species I, I knew I'm supposed to know, but I have no clue. Like, it, it like a I think it's just supposed. To, it's just supposed to be that he looks like his daughter. He's yeah, scary. Well, but it's the reveal that he's like the same species as her. I think is what the reveal is supposed to be. It's like Emperor, so, Emperor Papa Palpatine. Whatever the hell his name is, Emperor Palpatine. It looks what it looks like. Palpatine. Palpatine yeah. turned around like, hey, look at me. Still alive. I will, I will say there's a lot of Star Wars in this cartoon. Way too much Star Wars for my taste. Uh, but there's also a lot of JJ Trek. Uh, Doll Rail really, really uh, reminds me of Chris Pine as Captain Kirk, but like eight. Although you know, arguably Chris Pine as Captain Kirk is already eight, and he's also incredibly annoying and he talks way too much. Yeah, as someone who works with little kids all day, Bob. That's the kind of person that they strive to be. You just got to add some Fortnite dances in there, and you're good to go. I I don't know what Fortnite is, and I don't want to know. They all want to be like Del. I don't even say Dalrell. 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 I think Dalrell. And so there's also a Kazon slaver here, which made me a little cranky because, like, this is supposed to be the late 24th century, as I understand it, and so there shouldn't be a Kazon in the alpha quadrant. Cause it seems like they're, you know, either in the alpha or the beta quadrant pretty near the Federation. And so, yeah, I don't know. I was just very cranky that they had a Kazon there. What's the Kazon doing there? 
Yeah, that's kind of weird. Maybe it's... That is strange, you're right. I didn't catch on to that, but yeah, that doesn't fit the timeline at all. Maybe the show's non-canon. <laughs> oh, man, if if they declared it non-canon, then I could stop watching it. That would be... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would appreciate that. I I hope they do declare that. Yeah. But, Bob, then you'd miss out on these uh, the cation. They, they put another cation in there for you. Every animation they come up with, they have to put a cation. Yeah, because cations are great, man. To feed your talking cat fetish. I object to the idea that it's a fetish, but whatever. <laughs> so yeah, apparently it's uh it's set in the year twenty three eighty three. Yeah, so Kazon shouldn't have been yeah, that doesn't work. You failed, guys, you failed. Prodigy's garbage. Of course, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll find out that there's been some great technological <laughs> advance and they're they're actually they're... like having commerce with the Delta Quadrant now. They're going to explain that in this in this in this in Prodigy. Yes, I'm sure they will. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that the next episode. Well, I mean, they do kind of with this sort of hidden starship, right? They do set themselves up for uh, a really kind of big, you know, kind of mystery that to some extent will have to tie into like you know Star Trek lore, Star Trek canon. If that you know, just because they have to explain like. What it? Why is that ship there? Why is it abandoned? What was the name of it? Proto something? Proto Star? I think it was the Proto Star, but I honestly didn't. I didn't remember because I'm a bad recapper. Proto Star. And then uh, a couple other characters were introduced to. We've got Fugitive Zero, who is a Medusan. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the the Medusans? Vaguely, it's from the original series, right? Yeah, they're they're from a really good episode of the original series, so. I'd forgotten that there was going to be a Medusan in the cast, but I was actually kind of happy about that because it's a it's a cool concept, and I'm glad they're bringing the Medusans back. That said, if they do have a subplot where the characters do see the Medusan Zero's true form and they don't go mad, this show will suck. So apparently they're telepaths, right? They're probably also Vorlons because, I mean, that just fits with the Babylon 5 there. <laughs> it looks like a, and then on top of all this it looks like a robot from a, the Borderlands video game so way to go Nickelodeon shoving all that sci-fi into one character <laughs> oh and so I was doing some hasty research so if you want clarity on the timeline uh, Star Trek Nemesis takes place in 2379 uh, the first season of Lower Decks is 2380 the second season of Lower Decks is 2381. And then uh, the first season of Prodigy, of at least two seasons, oh God, is uh, 2383. <laughs> wow. So we've got this Fugitive Zero character. Then we've got Rocktar, who we've come to find out is not just a Chewbacca cliche, which thank God, um, because I just thought it was going to be like a, a Wookiee. Was that the same thought you had based on the advertisements? They were really playing... Uh, not, I didn't watch the advertisements very much, uh, cause I generally try to avoid advertisements for things I know I'm going to watch, but, um, yeah, the first like 10 or 20 minutes, they were really playing her as a kind of Chewbacca cliche, like you said, and apparently she's a Bryker, which is a species that I don't think has appeared on screen, but is pretty present in some of the novels. Her name is Rock Tar. Rock tar. Yeah, I got, a, I got it. She's a brick or. 
Bricker. Brick, brick, b r i k a. Hey man, they don't, they don't, they don't like it when you when you pronounce it brick. That's offensive. <laughs> but that voice though, Bob, that that voice just doesn't. I mean, that's some regret shit right there. Yeah, I I appreciate what they're trying to do with that by putting a kind of unlikely childish girl voice on you know this kind of rock creature that looks like the thing from the Fantastic Four, like. I appreciate what they're trying to do, but yeah, her voice is really annoying. And so, uh, did you uh, enjoy the fact that uh, Bebop from the Ninja Turtles is going to be our engineer, Matt? Yeah, they just flat out put Bebop in there for no. I mean, it, even in the first, like at the very beginning of the episode, they pan across a bunch of stuff, and you see this character, and I'm like, "That's Bebop. What is Bebop doing in this in the show?" And then you're introduced to him later on as Jankum Pog. Uh, he he's, he looks like a warthog. He's got the same visor that bebop for ninja turtles wears same haircut uh nickelodeon does own the ninja turtles so you look forward to that crossover oh god because it will happen it will happen (laughs) I, i will say you were worried that i wouldn't catch this reference i did catch it but it did take me about 30 seconds to figure out uh, if the pig mutant from the Ninja Turtles was was Rocksteady or Bebop, it yeah. did take me a bit to remember. Rocksteady was the rhinoceros. I I remember. I just had to. I had to think about it for about thirty seconds before I put it in the notes. Not to be confused with Toka or Razor from the movie, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two: The Secret of the Ooze. Okay, you. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> you think I'm joking though, Bob? But I'm telling you, they will do a Ninja Turtles crossover with this. It's going to happen. It'll probably be a movie they put out. And oh God! I'm not kidding because they have all because Ninja Turtles went into space at some point. Like they did space stuff, like Fugitoid yeah. and all these like I, like even the original I, comics. I were remember like that. when the yeah the Archie comics did yes. that, and they were really it was really cool. As you know, at least when I was like five, I don't know how it holds yeah. up now. Yeah, you're gonna see that happen, and it's gonna be ridiculous. Well, maybe I should. I've been meaning to kind of reread those or those Archie Ninja Turtle comics. Because I remember them so fondly, maybe I, maybe I should just to prepare myself for the shock of when they do a Star Trek Ninja Turtles crossover. Yeah, if you're gonna read the Ninja Turtle comics, read the Mirage the first set. Eh, I don't I don't want to read the serious stuff. I want to read like the the Archie ones. Well, even the I mean the, the Mirage stuff also went to space. Like it's they they've always been like. Yeah, but isn't the original series just kind of like a a kind of shitty satire of like Frank Miller's Daredevil and like '80s X Men? Yeah, the first. Uh... Yeah, the first couple of arcs are, yeah, but it gets kind of crazy after that. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a strong desire to read that. You're missing out, Bob. Yeah, I am. That's fine. One other character I wanted us to uh, bring up. So, uh, you, you think Murph's intelligent, Matt? Our, our last character? Oh, yeah, Murph. Forget about Murph. Uh, I don't know. He falls on top of that control panel and makes the phasers fire, but we don't know if he really did it or not. I'm sure that's going to be a running gag. Murph saves the day, but does he really, or is he just slime and can, does he always fall in the right place at the right time? Yeah. And you, with your much, much greater familiarity with the Nickelodeon brand, made a very obvious point that totally escaped me, because yeah, it's stupid. Slime. It's slime, Bob. It's Nickelodeon. It's slime. I get it now. Get it? They say that he's supposed to be a Star Trek reference, and no one has gotten what the reference is yet. They say. So, oh. I don't know. 
Well, I don't know. But I, I think you're right that really it's just Nickelodeon branding more than anything else. Primordial ooze. That's what it is. <laughs> I do think uh, you're right, though, that the um, that once the sh- universal translator kicks in and like all the different alien species can actually communicate with each other. It, it does get a little less Star Wars-y. I mean, granted, like, the, you know, the stuff where the Dreadnought is looking even more General Grievous-y, that comes later. But it does at least give it more of a feel of a Star Trek show at that point. So I thought that's kind of an interesting choice. But even the bridge, to me, of that ship looks doesn't look right. I mean, you have the traditional con and panels and everything they go, like the different... Mm-hmm parts there but then it's completely opened up on the top is there are there any other starships like that that we've seen uh i think so but i don't have a good enough memory to say for sure off the top okay. of my head it's just all everything was like open it almost looked like they were outside like but it was just the windows or the the way it was set up yeah one thing that was kind of cool though i have to admit was when gwen's like tattoo turned into a sword that was kind of cool nice nice just want to yeah, point that yeah, out it, it didn't give you a big uh, lightsaber vibes Oh, it was total. There were total lightsaber vibes, yeah. But it was just neat that it just came out of her tattoo. Like it just went. It's nice, nice little scene. Yeah, I I will agree that like when Dreadnought is running around the ship, he looks very General Grievous. Um, there there was like a, a targeting scene that made him seem more like a Terminator or a Matrix robot than a Star Wars robot. But in general, yeah, totally a droid. Totally a droid. Yeah, Dread, Dreadnought is totally General Grievous all over. So Janeway yeah. does show up at the at the very end of this show. Oh, thank God. Thank Christ. I'm so glad she's here. As a hologram. Yeah, the emergency command hologram. I guess, what's what's that going to lead to? I mean, I hope it leads to her sidelining doll. That's what I, I hope so. it leads to. Doll's awful. I, that's not what I think it'll lead to. I think they'll just keep her, you know, more as like a mentor and advisor role. But I hope it just leads to her sidelining that little shit because he's awful. <laughs> So does this mean like we have emergency holograms for like all the other captains and all the other positions too? Like, can you get like uh, an emergency engineering hologram of Gordy LaForge? No, no. Like you saw, you remember in Star Trek Picard where like the, the ship has like the one hologram per function. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, can you get like, can you, can you zap up certain people? This one has Janeway. Can you like dial up anybody? No, because they would have to, they would have to program them in and that's presumably takes some time and you know some some amount of resources to do and you probably you probably wouldn't do it redundantly right like you'd probably only have like one command program one science program one medical program and then i yeah i guess you could if they were inclined you could like reconstruct kirk or you know i guess scotty and spock are still around but you could reconstruct like kirk or Chekhov in the 24th century but it would be a reconstruction more than it would be like a, a, a copy, if that makes sense. I just think that'd be really cool if like you had all these holograms that were running the ship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what they do in Picard, sort of. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. I mean, the thing I don't like about it is that it potentially leads to a situation like you had in Rogue One, where you're using, you know, really shitty CGI, like reconstructions of famous old actors and just using the hologram technology as an excuse to do that. Well, that's why we have these cartoons. You, you don't understand, do you? That's why we have the cartoon, so we can put these people in here without worrying about their actual physical appearance. I just thought we had this cartoon because uh, Viacom felt they had a market gap and they wanted to plug it. <laughs> we got to get them kids watching Star Trek, so we'll make it like Star Wars. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I support the mission of hooking them early, I guess, but it just seems like you should hook them on the real stuff and not on the stepped-on Star Wars stuff, as long as, you know, we're using the metaphor of selling uh, drugs to children. Yeah, I was to say, well, you're like, you're like, you got to start them on something, uh, something a little less potent, a little less... <laughs> I mean, move, I, like, I agree... Series. I agree that we shouldn't give these kids, like, full-on black tar heroin, Matt. We should step <laughs> on the heroin. But I feel like what Viacom is doing is they're giving them cocaine, not heroin. And so you're not making future heroin clients. You're making future cocaine, i.e. Star Wars clients, out of these children. Gotcha. Well, you know there'll be action figures soon, so that's exciting. I mean, for you, yes. Can't, can't wait to get my rock tar... And Murph. Oh, uh, that, we're talking about a children's podcast, Matt. Yeah. Don't say that. Shane, or <laughs> can't wait to get my Gwen McCoy, Gwen figure. Anyway, with her, <laughs> my notes screwed you. Yeah, That's thank, great. thanks, notes. That's Gwen. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm gonna say Gwen McCoy. My bad. We'll sure have a little snap on. Okay. Sure have a little snap on sword thing. It's gonna be awesome. All right. Oh man. So you you totally rejected the premise of my bit here, but I do want to put this in. So obviously like doll is supposed to be Chris Pine Kirk. And it seems to me like they're playing the Medusin zero, like it's Spock, you know, it's a little more reserved. It doesn't fully understand humanity, that sort of stuff. Uh And then clearly Jankum Pog is Scotty just because they're both engineers. And then I put Rockstar as a Hura. I don't know if that's right. It's also not clear to me like what, role on the ship Rocktar is going to play yet. I don't know, maybe Ahura. And then uh, I, I put Murph as Neelix because Neelix is also the pet of Voyager. And then I think you should label Gwen as McCoy because it seems like she's going to be the cranky one who's always undermining Doll. That seems like the direction they're going. So I think that's the kind of roles that they're imagining these children playing. Yeah, I'm like, not even going to acknowledge this conversation with you because it's it, it really is just a ragtag group of young people who've gotten their hands on a piece of advanced technology they're not equipped to handle. But thanks to their quirky Aunt Janeway, they will explore the universe while outrunning an evil robot torturer and his evil dying leader. Oh, man. Well, I mean, we couldn't ask for a better summary of this Star Wars, I mean, Star Trek cartoon to end on, Matt. So I guess we can end on that. Uh, do you want to get together and complain about future episodes? Sure, Bob, because, I mean, honestly, it's not that much for me to keep up with. <laughs> <laughs> only t- only 22 minutes. It's a lot of pew-pew and a lot of jumping, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no structure to you. That's our promise. Just two angry men in their 30s ranting about how a cartoon aimed at seven-year-olds should be like heroin, not like cocaine. That's our promise to you in our coverage of Star Trek Prodigy. We will continue that coverage. For, I guess, two more seasons or until one of us overdoses. I mean, looking at both of us, I feel like I'm the one who's more likely to OD, Matt. My heart is weak. All right, this has been Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine. Usually the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, but not tonight. Instead, we were just talking about this crappy, crappy Star Wars cartoon. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>